Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast where in absence of recent Stoke matches to talk about we're going to talk about some of our favourite ever Stoke City games from down the years. Joining me to talk about his favourite game is Ben Rowley from the YYY Files. How are you Ben? Hey up Dave, yeah um, I'm alright, Like this is a good subject to be talking about. Um, my my favourite Stoke game as you said and um, when you asked me I was, I was hard pushed to to try and pick a, a more obscure game <laughs> um but but it just so happened with you know not not only the day but but personal circumstances as well it just made this day it's just perfect it's um well from the title of the podcast you'll know already what it is but uh just yeah. uh, in case you've only been uh, if, if you just maybe your podcast feeds just loaded up this episode and you don't know what we're talking about we're going to be talking about <laughs> stoke city six Count them six. Liverpool one. Parentheses six. <laughs> from Sunday, the twenty fourth of May, twenty fifteen. Um, ben, a, a, just a routine home win. Why did you pick this one? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was to be expected, really. Um, <laughs> no, so I, I, I think it's fairly obvious that for a lot of people, this will be uh, Stoke's favourite. I'd say Premier League game. Mm. Uh, possibly league game, possibly game of all time. It it was just sublime, wasn't it? I'd 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 go as far to say as well that we played better than this. Mm. Um, but just everything we hit went in. It was against a team who the season before nearly won the Premier League, uh, and it was against a team who who we've known to have lost against and. And we had beat at the Britannia before, um, but this this was just magnificent. And for me, in personal circumstance, um, so I normally go to these games with my dad. Uh, I think this was the first season I had a season ticket for, from memory, because I'd just started university. Um, and my student loan came in and I was able to buy a season ticket. <laughs> Sensible. But, uh, well, exactly right. Um, but... I would normally go to the games with him, but my brother is a Liverpool supporter. Um, and I'm sure the back context of this game is that it was Steven Gerrard's last game for Liverpool. Mm. Um, and my brother really wanted to go to the game, so he took my dad's ticket. And he sat with me in the home end and we went together. And long story short, just, just watching his team fall apart before his eyes, I mean... Liverpool have had decent reason to have given us a lot of stick over the years, and it, it was just. <laughs> I love my brother, man, but Jesus, it was just it's so weird to see my team, well, his team fall apart, and my team just absolutely tear them up, and nothing that he could say yeah. that would make me feel any worse at all. I know so much has happened since for for both clubs. Uh, but mm. just looking at that scoreboard and realizing that that's recent history, you know, that's that's not some yeah. obscure result from the 1900s. That happened actually really rather recently, and there's just uh, so like, like I say, the whole Gerard narrative, uh, the final day of the season feel to it. It's it's like a yeah. sort of proper carnival. It was a carnival of goals that day, and we'll talk about the game. In more detail in a sec. So we'll just sort of contextualise uh, where Stoke were at this point. So this was Mark Hughes' uh, second season in charge of the club. And we'd already secured ninth place, which uh, for the second season in a row uh, under Hughes. Um, so we were pretty locked into ninth. There, there wasn't going to be any movement on that on the final day of the season. Um and it was just interesting that whilst we sort of associate Hughes with transfer mistakes and costly transfer mistakes, this season we'd been very, very um, tight in terms of the transfers. We hadn't spent a lot of money. Uh, our transfers in that season were Phil Bardsley, Steve Sidwell and Mame Biram Jufal on freeze, John Tan Texera and um, a little-known Spanish lad called Bojan Kirkic from Barcelona was uh, kind of our biggest money signing that season, undisclosed fee. What was it, about 
half a half a million. Half a million. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! See, if you give Hughes money, he makes a tit of himself. But if you yeah. rein him in a bit, he can pull out some absolute diamonds. Um, yeah. So. I wonder whether this is Hughes's best season or not, because I think we saw the best of Stoke, possibly the season after with the sort of Stoke alone spell. But that that season, the Stoke alone season, was kind of bookended by real bad runs of form and getting hammered four uh, nil every other week. It seemed like, um, but this season we only lost by three goals twice uh, away at Arsenal at home to Man City's, and we we weren't really hammered that much and we were kind of really cons- well not consistent but we never really went on a bad run of form or, lo- or lost many games against teams we we shouldn't lose to we were very very solid this season but there hadn't been necessarily a huge landmark result we won away at man city right in the august uh, mame juf's amazing solo goal uh, we'd beaten Tottenham away, Bojan's uh, first goal for the club. We had a cracking 3-2 against Arsenal. We should have gone 4-0 up. Maybe maybe in a parallel universe, that Arsenal game turns into a 6-1. Could have, e- <laughs> could have easily done if that idiot linesman hadn't ruled out that uh, yeah. beautiful fourth. Um, but as I say, we are in ninth place in the Premier League. Liverpool, meanwhile, are having a lot of difficulty. Um They've lost uh, Luis Suarez, who had uh, guided them uh, to uh, a title challenge uh, last season. And uh, did they lose Sterling at this point as well? I feel like Sterling may have gone the same season, Um, although I'm not sure. I know that Sterling, um, I think for this game, he turned down a new contract and he was about to lose Ah, to Man City. So that's why he didn't play. He was on the bench, but... uh, as I'm sure we'll go on to the uh, the Liverpool fans during the game were were singing. There's only one greedy bastard. Ah, okay, <laughs> okay, very good. Yeah. Um, so, but Liverpool, uh, this result uh, meant they finished sixth. A very disappointing sixth on 62 points. Only two points ahead of Southampton in seventh. Um, so they've had a real fall from grace, having been within you know a hair's breadth of the, the title the previous season. And Brendan Rodgers was losing his magic touch. They hadn't. Um, done well in the cup competitions. Uh, I feel like maybe this season was slightly a bit of a missed opportunity for us as well because we were only sixth po- uh, six points outside Europa League qualification. Um, and there was a horrific day in the cup at uh, Blackburn Rovers where we'd gone 1-0 up oh, God. and then decided to go full kamikaze and ended up losing 4-1 with 10 men, uh, which was a horrible day. Um, but towards the end of the season, we start to... Uh, with sort of safety secured, we start to maybe have a bit more fun. We beat Spurs 3-0, uh, the last home game before this. Um, but the, all the talk leading into this game was about Steven Gerrard and his final day. And do you remember like talk of like, oh, you could sell your ticket to a Liverpool fan for 200 quid because they, they'll want to yeah. be there for this last game? Uh-huh. Yeah, and I nearly did that, in all honesty. Um like I said, I was a student at the time, and, and even though money was was okay, like you, you know how it is, it, like it would have been nice to have had an extra two hundred quid. I thought the game was was pointless, as you said. Like <laughs> we couldn't go up or down in the league table, um, and and there were so many people calling for a ticket for for the Anfield game, uh, Stephen Jarrett's last Anfield mm. game. Tickets were going for two and a half grand. They lost that as well, didn't they, to Palace? Yeah. I think so, yeah, and I just, it, it, I could have quite easily missed this game, but I thought, no, I'll I'll stick it out and I'll go, and uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm glad I did now, but but yeah, you're right. All all the build up was about Liverpool and Gerard, and okay, in the context of football, I guess rightly so. Um, Gerard, obviously, legend for Liverpool and English football. Um, but it was a big deal for Stoke as well, in in a strange way. We we were losing Andy Wilkinson and Thomas Sorensen. Uh, they were coming to the end of their contracts. Mm. And a lot would argue that, that they were equivalent to Gerard for Stoke. You know, like two huge names in 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 our recent history, I think. And I know certainly in my build up for this game, all I wanted from Stoke 
is to not embarrass ourselves <laughs> um, and and just give a good send off to these two lads and well as as we know we went on to do that yeah um this season saw us uh say goodbye to quite a lot of uh sort of Pulis era players those those players from the, that last Pulis season uh who'd mm-hmm. maybe hung around until um Hughes's second season so Robert Hooth uh departed uh, in, uh on initially on loan yeah in uh, February to Leicester City where mm-hmm. he joined permanently as you say Wilkinson uh left as well uh, Matty Etherington uh, contract expired at the start of the season. Uh, players like Michael Kitely, Cameron Jerome, uh, Ryan Shotton, sort of y- your classic uh, Pulis maybe squad players had gone as well. So mm. you got you get in this sense of uh, Hughes properly forming the team as he wants now. Now, like you said, like I said, only, we only bought in five uh, permanent transfers that season, and only of those, Juve and Bojan would be uh, significant. Players for us. Bardsley had his moments, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was a, uh, it was sort of Hughes had properly got his got his teeth into management uh, now and and building up that that Stoke side from from Pulis's. Um, so th- the lineups for this game, if we can take it back to two p.m. on that glorious uh, Sunday afternoon, the Stoke lineup. Oh, I'm just getting I'm getting upset looking at it. Um in goal, Asmir Begovic, for my money, oh. our best keeper in years and years and years. I'm obviously too young to have seen uh, Banks and Shilton et al, but he's the best Stoke keeper for my money. I know I think emotionally Sorensen's my favourite keeper because um of the, that first season and uh, the cup run, mm. but I think Begovic in this form uh, in, in this time was up there with one of the best keepers in the league uh, he he was a really 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 good uh, shot stopper along the back line we have Jeff Cameron at right back Jeff Cameron just he, I could, he could be anywhere down this list of Stoke players he could be up front and I wouldn't be surprised because <laughs> you could just play him anywhere sort of action man uh, Ryan Shawcross in the middle with Mark Munyazer Mm. Uh, Eric Peters at left back uh, then a midfield of Stephen and Zonzi Glenn Whelan uh, sort of attacking three I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure this was a 4-2-3-1 Walters on the right Adam a more advanced uh, midfield player Arnautovic on the left Mame Biramjuf up front um, just like this is it's not the most sort of I think there are Stoke 11s that are perhaps more sort of inspiring than that and are maybe bigger name players, but just you look at that team and you just think about them in that in that kit. This was the first outing for sort of next season's home shirt and you just think, God, we had it good. Mm, yeah, I, I was actually sat in the stadium um, in the New Balance away kit. Uh, I just bought it, so so I went down to the game in that. Two beautiful kits like I don't I don't think anyone can can disagree with that that like that home kit I'm I'm wearing it now Mm. as like a tribute to this game um it's it's just how a red and white striped shirt should be yeah like all all the stripes in all the right places like it doesn't disjoin around the shoulders like the stripes carry on um and yeah like the the iconic thing for me was uh Arnautovic stretched across yes. the back in blue uh, or white I guess as as I think we were in the Premier League um, and like his his long name stretched across the back of that yeah. red and white kit was, was just iconic for me and he obviously went on to have a really good next season um, yeah I think uh, this this season uh, Onatovic had really uh, stepped up he'd had a decent first season uh making the move over from Werder Bremen. But I think this season you started to see uh, the best of Arnautovic. Not really in a goal sense. He scored more in subsequent seasons, but you started to see the the real value he brought to the team. And this game in particular was uh, was something else for him. Um, so that was the, the Stoke lineup. Liverpool, however, it's a real, real bizarre uh Selection. If you if you think about how good the Liverpool team is now, um, it's and how even how good they were the previous season, 
it's it is slightly strange. You you've got some quality in there, but it's it's a bit uh, it's a bit of a mess. Mignolet in goal, <laughs> decent keeper, and uh, the big issue in the team, uh, Emre Chan uh, at right back, um, Martin Skirtle and Sacco. God, Sacco. Was he was he actually good? He can't have been. I feel like he was a bit of a, um, a liability. Oh, I think he was known to be all right, but then he got in trouble at Liverpool, didn't he? Um, I I can't remember what he did, but there was a reason why he. he oh had yeah, to leave him. did he um, miss a test? I don't want to libel him, but um, he did. He did something I, he shouldn't have. Yeah, was it something to do with a drugs test or something? Like I I can't remember. It was something like that. But there was something he did that. He left because it wasn't necessarily for his his playing ability. Because I think, from memory, he was actually half decent for Liverpool, um, so, and uh, was one of their better centre backs. But there wasn't very many at Liverpool at that time. Skirtle, who who was in this lineup as well, was getting on. Um, didn't didn't last for much longer at Liverpool. Agger, I don't know what happened to him. He seemed to have left a season or two before, maybe. Mm. Um, Sacco uh, during Liverpool's preseason tour of the United States Sacco was sent home by manager Jurgen Klopp for not respecting the rules that had been put in place for the squad Klopp revealed that Sacco had been late for the team's flight as well as a subsequent medical treatment session and team meal time as a result Sacco was demoted from the senior squad and only played competitive football with the reserves in the uh, professional development league so uh, kind of Mm. he didn't um, he didn't fly with uh, Jurgen Klopp, Sacco, but he'd uh, he'd play fifty six games for him. He'd, he'd come from a, a good reputation at uh, Paris Saint Germain. Paid seventeen million for him, so uh, mm. um, and was bought by Palace for twenty six. So they they turned a profit on him. Fair play. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell, that's their chief exec's done a decent job there. Um, <laughs> So Moreno at uh, left back, another one of these. Like I'm not sure if he was actually good or not. I feel he was one of those better attacking than go, uh, than uh, defending. Uh, mm, yeah. Henderson, uh, Lucas Lever. So sort two sort of stalwart midfielders there, Lucas and Henderson. Um, Joe Allen, who would uh, who would still maybe have the last laugh in a Liverpool shirt against us before joining us, which I suppose mm. is us having the last laugh. Um, <laughs> and then up. Oh, Attacking three, a false nine from Liverpool uh, of uh, attacking three of Coutinho, Gerrard, and Lalana. So you know you've got Stephen Gerrard and Philippe Coutinho. You're not a bad side. This isn't mm. uh, a crap team by any stretch of the imagination. They did still finish sixth in the Prem. Okay then. So it's a bright sunny day. It's Stephen Gerrard's last game. Ben, what what happened next? Um, well, I think you could tell at the start of the game that um, Stoke knew that the pressure was off them mm. and that Liverpool were there for the taking. Like, that team, I mean, you named it there, it had two centre-backs in it, one left-back, and the rest were central midfielders. And you just know that there's issues there straight away. Like, they're not going to have the the cutting edge up front that you expect them to have. Um, and... All, all sort of tactically and positionally, that was all going to be wrong as well. And you could tell, like, we didn't exploit them within the first 20 minutes very much, but there was either space in the middle or out wide at any given time. Mm. They never really covered the whole pitch. Um, and I've always said that Stoke have always performed best when the pressure's off them. Like, first season in the Premier League, no one expects them to stay up. Paddy Power paid out. Like, you know, we... We stayed up because there was no pressure on us to stay up. Uh, same here. Like we had nothing to play for. It didn't matter how we played. We could just go out and have fun, and we did. I think Hughes probably implemented more of what he wanted to see going forward. Uh, we started with a really high press to try and unsettle Liverpool. Um, you could tell straight away that <laughs> Liverpool wanted Gerrard to score. Yeah. Um, but we we just did our best to upset them. We we were physical with them still, even though it was a squad of you know, good technical players. Um, of course, Adam had his shot from the halfway line 16 minutes in or so. Um, and I, I think for a couple of players in there, it was just a chance to get themselves in the shot window. Like, as sad as it sounds, like, and Zonzi obviously left that 
that next transfer window. Uh, he he was phenomenal. You could tell just how much confidence yeah. he he had at that point. You know, he was known for passing from side to side and backwards. Um, but in this game, he had the freedom to to drive forward, pass forward, push forward, and he enabled the the guys up front to to really put some pressure on Liverpool. Both sides had you know really good chances to go ahead. Um, it could have quite easily gone the other way. Like Liverpool could have scored first and we could have crumbled. But um, compared to previous seasons, definitely under Pulis, we weren't scared of Liverpool this time. Mm. Um, and it, it was just nice to see that this fixture happened on the final game of the season when, like I say, pressure was off, nothing to play for. And there was a Liverpool side who, who like I say, the season before were terrific, nearly won the league. Um and and we humiliated them. Yeah. Uh, and Zonzi, at this time, I think this is the closest we've seen to a genuinely world-class footballer at Stoke. Mm. I think he, I mean, he's gone on to win the World Cup, but just in that spell, in this game in particular, it was like we'd unlocked, like, the perfect midfielder almost he could mm. he could tackle he could intercept he could pass all kinds of passing he could drive forward he could do everything on a football pitch and i remember nzonzi was one of those players people could be very critical of for maybe being a bit limited in his passing passing side to side and he he got a perhaps unfair lazy tag um because uh, maybe he, he was being shown up for sort of work rate by the likes of Glenn Whelan, for example. But those two worked so well together, Whelan and Nzonzi. They complemented each other really, really well um, when they were on song, of course. But yeah, he he was just ridiculously good at times. There would just be times where he'd spray a ball out to the right-hand side and you think only Nzonzi could have made that pass because it was just the vision he had was um, mm. absolutely top draw. Um, so, like you say, twenty-two minutes passed by. It could have gone either way in terms of the opening goal, but the ball falls to Charlie Adam uh, some way out. He tries a dig. Mignolet gets something on it, and in comes Mamjouf for what was then his tenth of the season. He'd go on to be our top goal scorer this season, and he sticks it in the net and he punches an invisible man. <laughs> I don't know, like. <sighs> Because was this the season where Wayne Rooney got got hit by Bardsley? Oh, um, don't know. I don't know whether be. it. I I have no idea whether it is in reference to that or not. Probably not. But I think it was around that time, and it and it and it was funny to be fair. Whether he was just probably just just like a release of frustration. I don't know whether he hadn't scored for a certain period of time or something. But yeah, he he was he he properly loved that, and I think that's a common theme with with all of these players that scored. They all loved it yeah (laughs) every celebration was so passionate um but as you said at the start of the show like this this was sort of the 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 downfall of Emre Chan at right back Mm. like Arnautovic for for the pass into Adam who had the shot just skimmed him yeah like he wasn't he wasn't even there and yeah Arnautovic probably gained a lot of confidence for the next season from this game because yeah. he, he he was just had him on toast yeah exactly like he he eventually went on to be subbed at half time Chan bless him <laughs> <laughs> but I God. love that I love when we do that when a team does that to someone just like <laughs> right seriously <laughs> we need to take him out of the firing line for his own, <laughs> his own well-being oh, just uh, the funny thing about that goal as well um Adam had a shot spilled by Menule and and Juf scored, but it nearly hit the crossbar. Yeah. Very, very nearly hit the crossbar. And that was so like Juf because he was known for goals with his head, really. I, like, very rarely, maybe Kenwin Jones, who yeah. I've seen a, a, a better header of the ball at Stoke. Um, but with his feet, we knew he was pretty tragic mm. on the whole. Um, and. Yeah. It was just so close to missing, and I thought, oh, Jesus, could you imagine if we'd have missed yeah. an open goal against Liverpool? And that, again, could have turned the tide, yeah. but no, like like every goal that seemed to went in that day, yeah. See, I think, luck was on our side. I think Juve is a bit sort of underrated uh, in the sense of people forget how, 
how useful he was this season and a uh, bit mm. of the season after. He he came up with some important goals for us, and you know we could never fault him for uh, work rate. The fact that he ended up filling in it right back for a spell and and played on the right wing. You like I've got very very little bad to say about Mam Juf. Um, mm. But finesse is not one of his uh, his skill sets. He's not known for uh, uh, you know amazing bits of sorcery with his feet. Even that amazing goal against Man City. I mean, Joe Hart should probably save that. Yeah, he goes yeah, straight yeah. through his legs. It's not a really well placed shot, but mm. um, it was just like Mamju. He he will run through brick walls for you. He's uh, yeah. Uh, Top top bloke, and I felt he was perhaps unfairly scapegoated in the relegation season because he uh, he missed some big chances. But I feel feel like that was sort of sort of horses already bolted situation when it came to mm. having a go at Jew for that. But um, but he certainly enjoyed himself today, and uh, like I say, not known for finesse, but absolutely could twat one. And yes. four minutes after he he opens the score and he makes it two 0 <laughs> with an absolute bullet. <laughs> to set it up, uh, just to just to rewind just slightly, and Zonzi just showing his class again, uh, making a fool of Emre Chan. Like I don't know what it was, like a little borel or something. To to just, he was having so much fun and Zonzi this game. You could tell that he he yeah. didn't care if if he lost the ball or anything like that. He was he was doing flip flaps. He was flicking the ball over Liverpool ball players outstretched legs he, he was just it was an absolute delight to watch and he's the one that fed Arnie who then beat Chan again um, and he feeds Juve who has this shot and you're right it is a thunderbolt but it's right at Mignolet yeah. if you watch it back like I don't know what Mignolet was doing with you just didn't see it coming but it was just on the edge of the box and all Mignolet has to do is like sort of wave his right hand vaguely towards the ball and he saves it it's almost like he hasn't quite computed what's happened yet he's like yeah okay juve's got it i'll just kind of set myself maybe he'll have a shot and then before he knows it the ball's sort of flying past his head and he's like what (laughs) and and this was just four minutes later yeah well he he just conceded and and you could tell from the celebration that Juve couldn't quite believe what was going on. You know, like like he he was smiling from ear to ear. He did that quite a lot, but he was doing it almost with his hand across his mouth. Like, yeah, just it, the the whole stadium at, at this point, I think, just started to relax. I don't know whether yeah. there was any tension before. I assume not, but you could tell that there's always a tension with Stoke that when you go 1-0 up we just concede two straight away mm. and like oh here we go again but once we went 2-0 up after 26 minutes the whole stadium just started to just shut down a little bit like it, it it wasn't party atmosphere I don't think quite yet but it was it was just and and my brother sat next to me it, again was was just getting concerned he was like oh well what what's this <laughs> what is going on with this team yeah um I think when you score two in quick succession like that, and especially with it being so early in the game, there's maybe a part of you that starts to think, hang about, could something could something special be about to happen? Not not in a mm. sense of, oh, we're going to win 6-1, but in a sense of, hang about, we, we, we've just, four minutes ago it was 0-0, now it's 2-0, you know, mm. we, we've got them where we want them. Um, but then sort of good things happening in threes it's not long after that uh let's find out when, when was the uh when was the third goal it was 30th i think the 30th minute so in the space of eight minutes yeah. Stoke city have gone three nil up and you talk about players who enjoyed scoring today mr <laughs> johnny walters um need needed another go at it but liverpool were just in the mood to present us with opportunities and uh johnny walters Oh, just nods it in after having his shot saved by Mignolet, and oh, the fume, the fume in that Liverpool end. Oh, fantastic! I, I mean, to set the goal up, and Zonzi yet again with another bit of skill on the right, just to just to, I don't know who he faked out, but but somebody was left on their ankles, um, and then Adam puts his his crossing towards the back post. Um, it, it was it was going nowhere really. There, there was nobody at the back post. Mm. Uh, but Chan, yet again, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know whether he, he like whether 
who was planning to sign for Stoke City after this, but <laughs> but like he he heads the ball back into the six yards. Oh box, my god! It's, it's straight into the path of Walters, who intercepts. Like I'm assuming he's heading back to the keeper, but Walters intercepts, sticks his boot out. Mignolet makes a fantastic save, to be fair. But by this point, Mignolet is on his ass, mm. and the ball bounces up to Walters' forehead. And he, he doesn't really have to do anything. No. Just stand there and watch the ball loop over Mignolet and and then to that corner of the net. And yeah, that celebration. He'd already um <laughs> he'd already celebrated with Manjuf when he's Yeah, cupped his ear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cupped his ear towards the way. But but this for him, you know, being an Everton fan, like must have been sensational. Yeah. You know, he was stood there, arms outstretched yeah. in front of the way and he, do, he does a little and, um I think Morecambe and Wise click of his heels as well. Like, yeah. he's, he's just he's just having fun. He's having so much fun. Um, and you would, wouldn't you? Can you imagine being three 0 up after thirty minutes against the team that you probably hated as a kid? And that goes for all of those Stoke players. Like, this was the point in the stand as well where we were like, "Hang on, what's right. going on? <laughs> what, what is this? Yeah. Is this match fixing? Is this just <laughs> us being good? Are Liverpool terrible? What is going on?" Um, just yeah, um, yeah, absolute incredible. insanity from Chan, and it was like not only did Arnie uh, sort of physically exhaust him, he sort of maybe mentally had him shot already by thirty minutes because Chan didn't know whether he was coming or going. <laughs> I mean, you can point to Rogers for playing a central midfielder essentially at right back and playing a player out of position, and that's fair enough. But also. You know, you don't expect that level of calamity from what is still a, a Premier League and international footballer. Um, but yeah, he'd, he'd completely head head had completely gone from Emre Chan, and so we have a whole eleven minutes without a goal where everything <laughs> starts to settle, and we sort of appreciate the fact that we're three 0 up against Liverpool. And then I don't know whether even, I think you have that initial euphoria and that little bit of talking to people around, like, I can't believe what's, what's going on. Three and up against Liverpool, what's going on? And then maybe a sort of thought will enter your mind about five minutes after that. And it's sort of, oh God, are they going to win 4-3 with uh, Stephen Gerrard scoring all four? Um, <laughs> that's the way my, my, my mind works anyway. Um, but then you start to maybe think, well, actually, earlier in the season, we had that Arsenal 3-2, where we'd gone 3-0 up and uh, been clawed back to 3-2. And that was, you know, put a slightly underwhelming tinge on what should have been a, a great victory. Um, but 41 minutes, as the uh, as the clock sort of ticks down towards half-time, uh, Charlie Adam pounces like a panther on a, a bit of sloppy indecision at the back from Liverpool... And drives one home from the edge of the area, off for a Thierry on knee slide, and it's four nil. <laughs> it's four nil. It's four nil. I, I mean, you're on about were Stoke fans nervous at this point? I, I'm not quite sure they were because there were a chance of we want four. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't think it was nervous, but more sort of like you always have that creeping doubt. Even oh, if, God, even if yeah. you go six nil up in a game, it's like. Could we draw this six six? You know, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's certainly party atmosphere in the stand. We're 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 thoroughly taking the piss at this point. Oh, and Zonzi's in 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 proper piss take mode. You know, the, there's Olays going around the stadium. Liverpool were, were clearly pissed off. Yeah, like properly. Like Lalana had this dive to try and win a penalty. Uh, he squared up to Shawcross at one point. <laughs> it was just it, they they were properly fuming. I, and then yeah, like it's that it's that high press I mentioned at the start of the game, just to just to unsettle Liverpool, and they end up giving the ball away to Adam, and he catches it just right with Mignolet on his heels, you know doesn't doesn't move the Liverpool goalkeeper, um, not not make Skirtle on the way through, and and it and it just tucks in at near post, and again Adam, former Liverpool player. Perhaps you would argue would would have a muted celebration. Absolutely not. He he again went mm. ham and and proper fist pump and loved it. Yeah, and... I I, th- I think uh, Adam certainly liked Liverpool and certainly was a big. It was you know obviously a big dream of his to play for Liverpool. And I don't think he necessarily left on acrimonious terms. I think he was mm. just swept up in the whole sort of bizarre uh, euphoria of it, like. 
going four nil up. Yeah, yeah. And I guess from his point of view, he might have thought, well, at that time being at Liverpool and then going to Stoke, I know this was sort of three years on, um, but he would have seen it as a bit of a step down. Of yeah, course you would. Um, but but then this team three years later that was a step down is now beating this this team that he'd left 4-0 before our time. So he, what must have been going through his head was completely different to what other players were thinking on the pitch. Like I, I can't half blame him for celebrating the way he did. Mm. I just remember sort of after this goal in particular, just the... The, the the chatter and the just sort of the the, oh, the yeah. giggles of laughter that yeah. from people around was like it's four nil against Liverpool <laughs> what's going on um um but our, our job isn't even done because on the stroke of half time galloping into acres of space is that man Stephen and Zonzi who is I think this is a ten ten out of ten game. I don't. I, I want to find mm. the Sentinel report and find out what uh, Spinks gave Nzonzi for this game because he, he was just utterly superb, and he caps it off. And this is still the first half. This is just insane. Just gallops into space. There's um, the goal sort of opens up for him. He's outside the area, and Nzonzi he had a shot on him, but he never he never really sort of was a player you'd associate with scoring many goals. But the goal opens up and you talk about the sort of maybe the clumsy finishes of of Juve for the first two and uh, Walter's not having to do much. This is a goal of exquisite quality. Ping, top right-hand corner. And it's just, it's just insane. It's just it, mental. By this point, as you say, like the, the whole ground was bouncing at yeah. this point it, it really was carnival time um it, uh, i mentioned this goal um on a podcast yesterday and it it must be up there in one of the most underrated stoke goals ever just because there were so many goals in this game you almost forget just how good this goal was and beats three players with one pass just and and he hooks and Zonzi through, who's under pressure from I think definitely Chan and maybe Lucas, maybe Henderson, you know, like two big players. But Nzonzi, before they even get a chance to get near him, hooks one into this far post from twenty five yards, and it it the word the word I describe this finish is delicious. Yes, absolutely delicious. Like. Oh, it's so yummy. Yeah. <laughs> it was so nice. Like, that's what you'd expect to see on a free kick. Yeah. On a dead ball. Yeah. That's how absolutely. good it was. It, it, it was like the fact that he was on the run under pressure. He properly announced himself as world class at that point. Yeah. And he, and the sort of the celebration from Nzonzi was the sort of, I'm almost embarrassed for you lads now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to do that. Um, he was running with his arms sort of flopped down yeah. by his sides like, wait, wait, I don't know either, pal, I'm sorry. <laughs> poor poor Gerard at this point. I don't I don't know Yeah you know, how he must have been feeling. Like for him it must have been truly embarrassing. Like he must have been thinking either way, like what the, what is this club gonna be like without me? Yeah. And even with him in it, like this team was was appalling today. Absolute like, shambles. They were dog, weren't they? It's one of those things where you almost expect Rogers to be sacked at half time, uh, just oh, yeah. to, just to uh, motivate him for the second half. Um, but not only does he survive the summer, he lasts about sort of eight weeks into the next season before they decide mm. to get Klopp in. I don't know what because for for a club like Liverpool. It's a six-one defeat to a club below their sort of status, if you like. That mm. would terminate any manager's career. Yeah, I, f- I feel like. But maybe it was a sign of how far they regressed that they didn't sack Brendan Rodgers after this because they were just sort of on such a, you know, they'd be knocked off their perch and then some. They 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 weren't an elite club. And obviously, mm-hmm. Klopp's transformed them into that uh, in subsequent years. 
but it's a, a sign of just how low they were that uh, Rogers kept his job. So we go into the dressing room, and right now I'm obligated to quote Mr. Ryan Shawcross speaking at Nipersley and Middle uh, Sports Club. My highlights have to be the 6-1 win over Liverpool and the FA Cup semi-final against Bolton. We were 5-0 up against Liverpool at half-time, and when we went back into the dressing room, nobody said a word. We just burst out laughing. The manager walked in and didn't know what to say. <laughs> Could you? What team talk does either manager give when you're 5-0 up at half-time? Uh, like, just... like, like, Mark Hughes wasn't going to say... Keep the shape. <laughs> yeah, like, Eric Peters, what are you doing? I hope you're pressing Adam Lallana a little bit harder. Like, you just... It's the equivalent of watching a movie on the last day at school. I can yeah. imagine that that's how that half-time team talk went. And I like Rogers it. Rogers must have been curled up in a ball, sat in the corner. Steven Gerrard probably shouting at his team for him. Yeah. Like, because you... Rogers must have thought that he was leaving at this point. Like... I... You mentioned about maybe why they didn't sack him. I think that that this win would have been so much more famous had Rogers been sacked after this game. I think mm. that this would have been one of the worst days in Liverpool's history, and it and it was almost a PR move to not sack him. Yeah. You know, I think like, I think this is one of the worst days in Liverpool history. I, genu- I it, genuinely it has do, to be. Yeah. It has to be. Um, but it for some reason I don't think it gets talked about enough. Like this is. Liverpool's biggest ever league defeat, I think, and and still as well, like, like and it doesn't get talked about ever. Like uh, it, apart, apart. it gets the occasional laugh sometimes. Yeah, the, um, the video might go uh, might do the rounds on Twitter every now and again. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- um, I think it's sort of the the nature of football with the football, like to quote the Mitchell and Webb sketch, with the football officially going on forever. You you don't. <laughs> I think what what the whole covid thing has done is give us time to stop and reflect on these on these on these incredible moments that obviously mm. stoke fans talk about all the time but maybe uh, your your national outlets uh, don't really have that time to stop and reflect on uh, these moments because you know there's the next season there's the next game there's the next transfer thing mm. um but yeah I, I i just love the 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 sort of mental image of a Liverpool player, say Steven Gerrard, like walking past the Stoke dressing room and just hearing hearing the laughter uh, <laughs> echoing around it. And I, I love, I lo- like maybe like the idea of like they're all getting into the changing room in silence, the Stoke players, and then just sort of Shawcross just glances at Arnautovic and something, and then they just burst into laughter. <laughs> just that sort of <laughs> what is going on? Hilarity. It reminds me of. Um, it's the story of uh, when Scotland played Brazil at the '98 World Cup, they there was um, yeah, I can't remember who the Scotland manager was. Tony Lloyd would be able to tell me, but they they were like we're playing Brazil, really really intense. This is before the game, one you know one of the biggest days in Scottish football history. We're playing Brazil at the World Cup in France, right? And they were saying like they gave it such a rousing team talk. It was like you know, proper Braveheart stuff. Like, all the players are, like, punching the wall, sort of getting themselves psyched up for it. Like, come on, lads. Come on, lads. And they were doing shuttle runs up and down the tunnel. They were, like, like properly psyching each other up, like, screaming each other's in the face. And then they walked past the Brazil dressing room and they were dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I think they lost 3-0. <laughs> yeah. It just... Yeah. The, the, the contrast of uh, emotions would have been something else. So Liverpool do change it. In, in the second half, uh, Emre Chan is uh, mercifully, and I do mean that word mercifully, taken out mm. of the uh, firing line, as is Moreno. Uh, Colo Torre comes on, and as you say, they go to a 5 to a back, and Jordan Ibe uh, comes on. And Ibe actually, uh, I think, plays all right. Certainly the, the stuff I've read from the Liverpool Echo indicates that they were quite pleased with Jordan Ibe's performance in the second half, so they've got uh, they've got some, some solace from it. But... Um, <laughs> It is a while before there is a goal in the second half. We we just have time to just sit and wallow in it for a bit. Um, any kind of second half highlights? There are, there are quite a few yellow cards get picked up. There's a four for Stoke and two for Liverpool. Yeah, the, this is the point where Liverpool just abandoned any idea of winning a game or getting Gerald a goal, and they were all trying to do it themselves. Like every player was trying to run in behind, and they were just hooking long balls in. And this is why. 
the second half on a whole was so drab. You know, like the ball was just being bounced from goalkeeper to goalkeeper. Um, Liverpool will put these long balls in behind. Mm. It'd go straight to Begovic. Players are get knackered. You say I did well. It's probably because he was the only player on the Liverpool team with any sort of pace. And we know that Stoke have always struggled against pace. Yeah. Um, he, he put a few decent crosses in, but he was playing left back. Like, mm. how must Moreno have felt that this teenage winger <laughs> had, had had replaced him at, at, at left back? And, but but the crowd didn't care. You know, I can imagine the the scenes at half time at other grounds around yeah. the country, just... looking at their phones, going, "Oh, okay, yeah, Man United one nil, or what? Like, I don't know what the score was. Who cares? Um, Man United one nil, Chelsea two nil. Yeah, Stoke City five nil." <laughs> 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 and it was just a collective, like, at 46 minutes yeah. past three or whatever, I don't know, like, just a collective what the fuck around I, the country. I think I, I think I could hear the cheer from Goodison Park uh, <laughs> at half time as they announced it. Yeah, it, like, the second half, as you say, was, was drab, really. Like, Liverpool had to defend in numbers, really, just to, just to try and... I'd, they didn't have to contain us, but they they didn't want any more goals going in. It was embarrassing enough anyway. Um, but I think this this Liverpool side were exposed for the possession retaining pussies that they were. Really. <laughs> like to put it, you know, Klopp obviously came in and changed things up dramatically. But this team, like, was just a bunch of sissies. And and Stoke properly exploited that this time. Yeah, um, I, I know what you mean. I mean, you, you talked about pace earlier, and like that that Liverpool eleven we mentioned. There's no there's no pace in that side until yeah. you bring Ibon. Uh, Sterling was on the bench for this game, but I don't think they were bringing him on for uh, sort of to, to protect him from the fans, I suppose. Um, mm. And yeah, they have fifty five percent possession, but like you say, they they don't really have much about them like obviously Coutinho was a great player and stuff but Gerard aside you look at that you looked at that team and thought where are the leaders obviously Henderson's gone on to captain them to a European Cup but you you looked at that side and it just looked mentally sort of not really all there you, mm. you thought where are the characters in this Liverpool side where are the where are the inspirational figures going to come when Gerard leaves um some subs uh, made uh, our first sub. Uh, John Walters was replaced by Peter Odenwingi, who um, this was the season he really, really struggled in terms of injuries and stuff. Only played seven games uh, after having had such a great spell after we signed him in January of the previous season. So I think this was almost like a pre-farewell. He did play a little bit the next season, but not much at all. Um, uh, so, But Odenwingi was such a huge player for that short few months and uh, it was nice to for him to get on the pitch um, Joe Allen is uh, subbed off uh, a rare event at the Bet365 Stadium I can tell you that um, and he's replaced by uh, I was ne- I nearly said Paul Lambert then it was uh, Ricky Lambert <laughs> uh, Ricky Lambert God remember remember they had Ricky Lambert I think this yeah. was about the era they spent stupid amounts of money on forwards they got yeah. Ricky Lambert Mario Balotelli yeah. And some was of the guys, Benteke, Markovic as well. He was a yeah expensive because they splurged all the Suarez money. I think. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and bought five strikers who who weren't <laughs> actually any good and ended up not yeah. playing any on the final day of the season. Um, uh, Mark Wilson replaces Mark Munieza and seventy one minutes because uh, Mark uh, Mark Munieza has to come off injured and it always looks like I know he's injured and I know it's. Um, he would never pull out of a challenge Mark Moniesa, but just from viewing the highlights, he could see to a layman how it might look like we've gifted Steven Gerrard a goal. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you were talking about Lambert just then. Like, it, he he came on 60, 70 minutes too late because it was him, his first touch was flicking the ball onto Steven Gerrard and he was through one-on-one and, and good for him. He he scored, you know. It was a decent finish past Begovic, who had nothing to do in this game. I think he made one terrific save second half, Begovic, um, mm. to keep things at a clean sheet stage. Um, but yeah, but the the story from a Stoke perspective will be Munier's are pulled up. Um, but he didn't really pull up 
in a way that you'd expect a hamstring to go. I remember Etherington against Wolves in yeah. the FA Cup season, and you could tell his hamstring went like he he had to completely stop running. He almost did a jump in the air, and he was like he, he was holding his leg with his arms flapping around in the air. Mudiaza just sort of stops. He slows he slows down to a jog almost, doesn't he? Yeah, and then even when he's subbed off, he's walking completely fine. Um, you would imagine, as you say, that we've not let Steven Gerrard score because that would be like I know that it's a very poignant moment for him, probably. Yeah. To for for however it could be to have not completely ruined his day, um, but it it does look as though we've just sort of gifted Gerrard that goal. Yeah. And, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we obviously haven't. I, I think the fact that Begovic is absolutely fuming. I think Begovic mm. hasn't realised that Moniz is injured because he, he starts bollocking him for yeah. uh, not tracking his runner. And I, th- I think Begovic will have been really, really frustrated with that as well because when you've when you're on for a clean sheet, especially in a game you largely dominate and a game you're many goals up in, then you're gonna you're gonna be annoyed with that. Um, but it was a it was a nice moment anyway. And, you know you've got scope to be nice when you're five nil up, but uh, it was it was nice for him and he was applauded by the ground. And mm. I, I like those moments of recognition where you sort of your partisan um, your partisanship goes goes to one side for for the time being, and and you can just appreciate this is a, a great player, a player for another club, but we're recognising your sort of accomplishments in the game. Whether we'd scored, uh, or not scored rather, five goals before that, whether we'd have been so receptive yes. to a Steven Gerrard yes, goal. Yes, there's always that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure, I guess. But Stoke fans have had in the past good rep for being respectful. Like FA Cup final, they stayed behind yeah. and clapped Man City when they won the cup. And there's been other times where, well, in the past, Stoke have obviously been known to have had really... A, aggressive fans you know, like naughty 40 I'm thinking you know, yeah and, and all that business but we, we properly turned that round and yes it was <laughs> Stoke fans were probably on some of the biggest highs that they've ever been on um, but it, it was nice of them to, to have respected a Gerrard goal when they were probably well entitled to be furious that like it went to 5-1 <laughs> like it was such mm. a it, it's the only thing that'll taint that day for me. Like it's just, yeah. oh, it, it. The only crumb of comfort I have is that six one sounds better than six nil. I don't know why. Just it rolls off the tongue a little bit. Yeah, six one. It's almost it's almost sort of more satisfying because yeah. with a six one you can at least acknowledge that the the opposition was semi competent. Like you can beat anyone six nil. You can't beat anyone six one. Um, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, but as you say, we 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 needed to make it six one. We have the last laugh, and it's uh, another record from this game. Peter Crouch breaks the record for headed Premier League goals, um, and a, a delicious cross from mm. Manjuf. Yeah, for someone who uh, we we said uh, his his ability with his feet was a bit left to be desired. Like he really pulled it out of the bag this game. Um, fantastic cross into Crouch, who the Liverpool defenders are clearly given up at this point. It, you know, it was eighty-six minutes; they were they conceded five goals already, and and Crouch barely had to jump. You know, no. like it, but but it was it was really professional header for him. Actually, you know, put it put it right in the corner, properly thought about it, and I guess from a personal point of view, he he would have wanted to have made sure absolutely because you're right, he broke the record for headed goal scored in the Premier League and. It, it will have been a big deal for him like listening to what he said in the media and on his podcast he, he said that records have always meant a big deal to him you know like mm. when he scored 100 Premier League goals that was that was absolutely what he wanted so and it was nice that that, that goal could have been delivered on a day like this I, I, again against his old club <laughs> like he, yeah like he he loved that goal as well whether it was for more personal reasons so I don't know, but it, it was just the the whole stadium at this point was was just in utter disbelief. I think the 
the uh, the atmosphere went down a little bit when Gerrard scored. It, you know, it, I could probably went down from an eleven to a nine, but um, like at this point, the whole stadium was was just rocking. Like the songs were going out for Sorensen and Wilkinson and and Zonzi and Bojan Begovic. Just just anyone that had a song was just being serenaded, and it was just this beautiful thing. Swinglow was rocking around the stadium, Delilah yeah. was going around. And it that's that's why I think I love this game so much. We loved scoring six goals against Liverpool, don't get me wrong. But that was just ninety minutes of no pressure and I'd say, you know, up to seventy minutes of just pure elation and just it, it was fantastic just to be a part of. Um, I, again, I feel very sorry for my brother at this point who sat next to me and has watched his side lose 6-1. <laughs> That's bad for any team, let alone Liverpool against, you know, little old Stoke. Mm. But, yeah, it, it it was such a wonderful day. And then even up until, like, the very last minute when Steven Gerrard's last action for Liverpool football club is being faked out by that Mark Wilson long ball. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the very last thing that happens to him. They call that move the Wilson, don't they? He, he trademarked yeah. that. It's yeah. sort of like a mini Cruyff turn, but from left back. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely just remarkable, insane day. I was going to say old Crouch, I think it sounds insane for a man with 47 headed Premier League goals, but I feel like he wasn't the best header of the ball I've ever seen. He could oh. be a, he could be a bit fifty p head. Um, <laughs> yeah, but obviously, uh, yeah, six six one sixth uh, goal in that game. Just some stats from the game. The last time Liverpool conceded six or more goals in a top flight game was in nineteen sixty three. Um, this was the first time Liverpool have ever conceded first five first half goals in the Premier League game. Stoke were the first team to have a five-goal half-time advantage in the Premier League since Man City v Burnley in April 2010, and Crouch reached 47 Premier League goal, headed goals more than any other player. Uh, manager Mark Hughes said, "We couldn't have asked for a better finish to a really great season. The level of performance in that first 45 minutes was exceptional, and I don't think it reflects badly on Liverpool. I think most teams would have struggled to cope with the quality and intensity of our play. It is a great performance against a very good team with great individual talents, and we have been able to get the level of performance that I think a lot of people sensed we were capable of. Everything came together, and we showed what a good side we were." Um, there is that video of uh, Hughes, isn't there, talking about sort of his tactics for this game, and um, and sort of largely contrived of Emery Chan's a shit right back. <laughs> Do him, Arnie. Get him. Get him. Um, but yeah, he obviously did get his tactics pretty spot on. Uh, if you win a game six one, um, and I love this game, and it's nice that we've uh, got this little sort of mini series off to a. A flyer. I know a lot of people will have wanted to choose this game. It, it is our best, the the best league win Stoke have had in my lifetime in terms of mm. sort of uh, opposition result and just the sheer joy of it. That sheer sort of uh, carnival atmosphere was just utterly magnificent. And um, this was my, fi- my my final year of university, and it was like I think that next week it was either. Either I just finished my exams or it was in that sort of lull period before your exams start where you don't have to be in, indoors revising all the time just yet. You can have a little bit of, of time. I remember having a barbecue, maybe even the Sunday. No, no, this was a Sunday. So maybe even on the Monday. But in that next week, I just associate it with um, outdoor drinking, sun shining, barbecues, maybe even a bit of cricket or something. And it was just like a perfect time because I I remember just that sort of being with my mates, really enjoying myself and also just sort of boring them to tears with. I'd just kind of stop in the middle of whatever we're talking about and go, (laughs) (laughs) 6-1. We we were 6-1. Yeah, and so a lot of people will have wanted to do this game but uh mm-hmm. well done ben you you've uh you've done it justice there uh is there anything more left to say about it because i just think um 
well, we've done an hour. I could happily do two, but um, anything yeah. else that needs to be said on this? Uh, we said goodbye to Stephen and Zonzi. We've already said what a remarkable player he was for us. Um, uh, some the the bench is quite interesting. Stephen Island, I think, is uh, mm. sort of on his way out at this point. Uh, there's not many miles left in Mark Wilson's tank or Steve Sidwell's. The bench is actually pretty weak. Um, mm. I would say Walshide's on there as well. Um, but yeah, Stoke end uh, the season with a 6-1 victory over Liverpool. Um, ben, anything yeah. to add? Yeah, so, I guess just last thoughts. I, I think it, it was just perfect how it all ended on that last day of that season um it it's it stoke's most successful season in the premier league um Mm. like we finished with a positive goal difference because of what happened on that day oh yeah highest points um i and and it was just perfect because as i said at the start we were signing off um Andy Wilkinson and Thomas Sorensen, who for me are two of my favourite Stoke players, um, and and to give them a day of pure elation for them must have been fantastic. Um, and you're right, Stoke weren't complete yet. Like we had Victor Moses that season, and and he was mm. out with injury uh, by this point. So so it, Bojan could have been, out with injury this game. But yeah, Bojan out with injury. We could have been even better on that day. Um, and and this was just peak Stoke, and I mean that in the sense of it was just the perfect blend of um, Pulis's defensive rigidity and Mark Hughes giving his sides confidence and going, you know what, we can take these big teams on. We don't have to settle for forty points, and that was the the point I think in Stoke's history where we had the whole summer to reflect on this, by the way. And, and of course, Andy Wilkinson's testimonial, I think it was a few days later. Mm. Um, we had the whole summer to reflect and go, we can be properly big dogs in this league if we try. Um, and, and, of course, we signed players like Shakiri after this. And, and even players like Wilfred Bonney were, were big signings for us going forward. Like, yeah. like We properly put ourselves on the map, I think, with this game. And it, that's why it'll stick in my mind. It, 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 it was just, this is how good we were. This is just a reminder of how good it was to be a Stoke fan at that time. And like, if ever, if ever you're sad, that's probably the game one of two maybe that that you'll watch. And it, it was just sublime, absolutely yeah. sublime day. I think it also this finally blew apart the. The old image of Stoke, that old Tony Pulis uh, wet, when, wet, wet Wednesday night image. Now, obviously, this was the end of Hughes' second season, but there was like nobody uh, who had any interest in football who could uh, hold on to that that stereotype of us after this because we'd yeah. shown just how devastating we could be. Um, and yeah, it was yeah peak Hughes, peak Stoke, just peak life almost. Yeah. Um, so. That was, that's a, that's a special one to uh, start this series with. I hope you at home have enjoyed reminiscing about that. Uh, go back and watch the highlights again. You'll not be you'll not be disappointed. Mm. Um, so if you want to come on the podcast and talk about your favourite Stoke game ever, sorry you can't have Stoke six Liverpool one. That's gone. We've got a couple of guests lined up for uh, an, another a game from the next season I'm hoping to talk about with Tom Thrower and hopefully getting Dom Smith on to talk about a game from before we even got to the Premier League so that should be exciting as well but if you've got a game that's significant to you maybe it's um, your first Stoke game or maybe it's a, a game you love for a really weird reason maybe maybe even a Stoke City defeat who knows um, but get in touch and we'll try and get you on the podcast while we're all on lockdown thank you very much Ben Thanks, Dave. Cheers, mate. Go on, Stoke. 6-1. <laughs> it's definitely the last time Steven Gerrard will be seen in a Liverpool shirt. Can the same be said of Raheem Sterling? 
Arnautovic past him, feeding Adam! And Jeff! Stoke take the lead! Mignolet could only parry the drive from Adam. And Jeff on hand could not miss. Arnautovic has been troubling Emre Chan all afternoon. Arnautovic again past Chan. Jeff again! 2-0 Stoke City! It's a thunderous drive from the Senegalese, but again, the problem for Liverpool is down their right-hand side. Chan cannot keep a lid on Arnautovic. Chan's clearance, Walters, and again, 3-0 Stoke City. This is appalling from Liverpool. What was Emre Chan thinking of there? Brendan Rodgers can't wait for this season to finish. Brilliant work initially by Onzonzi. Adam's deep cross, but what is... Lucas losing out to Adam. Stokes in it again. Adam, 4-0. And again, Liverpool's defensive work played a huge role in it. Sacco at full stretch here. Lucas on eight. Oh, look at that pass. Onzonzi. Liverpool retreating again. Onzonzi! It's five! What a finish by Stokes in his player of the season. Liverpool are shell-shocked. Well, Steven Nzonzi doesn't score many goals. I saw him score a cracker against Spurs in that last home game. And that one is even better. He's certainly done that. And Gerrard is through here. Here's the chance. Steven Gerrard, on his very last appearance for Liverpool, scores for Liverpool. And the whole stadium... On their feet, it's his 186th goal for Liverpool on his 710th appearance. He tucks it away quite deliciously beyond Begovic. Five minutes. Can Stoke City find a sixth goal? Crouch is there! They can! Peter Crouch creates a Premier League record. His 47th takes him beyond Alan Shearer on 46 and Brendan Rodgers' afternoon is complete they did the damage and what damage in the first half Stoke City